0: i uh-huh. What's going on, guys? Welcome to Dime Dropper, episode 9, I think, of our 24-minute recaps. Before we get started, please remember to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast, as well as on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify, and of course, follow us on social media at Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod. And also, before we get started with the recap, make sure to go check out my last video. The whole series, Is the NBA Getting Better and Better? I worked my ass off on it, so please go check that out especially in video format. So tonight, let's get to the games, starting with my Clippers winning a nerve-wracking game against the Phoenix Suns, another team, one of our dime-dropper teams this season, who have been on an absolute tear lately. And the Clippers came out with, once again, that right kind of energy. We were switching everything to start the game, and I think that really threw the Suns off. A bit because they didn't have that same kind of pick and roll dribble penetration. And the threes they weren't getting weren't as open. So, you know, you guys you had guys like Mikhail Bridges, who's, who has been Red Hot, we've talked about on this show. He was only one for seven from from the three. And Paul George, Nick Batum, especially, two big shout-outs on defense, getting over screens, switching the right things, communicating. Paul George again having his hands very active in the passing lanes, like we saw against Utah. He came up with two steals, but it was just an amazing start. Everybody was hitting. We were getting the right shots, and it was really, once again, Paul George setting the tone. <laughs> I can't believe I'm saying this stuff, but Paul George has really been our best player so far this season, and he has been he was made up for his poor shooting night in Utah tonight, hitting all his open shots, hitting some, some contested ones. I mean, the man was in his full bag. Tween, cross, step back, three, you know, pull up in people's faces. I mean, when Paul George is going... He's one of the smoothest, sickest players to watch in terms of scoring the basketball in the league. And, you know, when DeAndre Ayton was switching on to him, I thought DeAndre Ayton had such a good game. 24 points. Second great game he's had in a row. That's, That's how he can play. You know, getting in that post area, turnarounds. But he couldn't guard Paul George in the perimeter, as most bigs can't. And PG was giving him the business, along with the rest of the Suns' team. The bench was awesome in the beginning. Reggie Jackson, another really good night. Luke Kennard as well, hitting his open threes, getting in the lane, hitting some floaters. Reggie Jackson with some nice driving kicks. We went up by 30, and then we had the classic. You know, I started to think to myself, like, this is too big a lead, and it's too early. You know the Suns are going to make a push, and the Clippers, once again, just kind of went cold. And I have to say, Kawhi Leonard that mask really seems like it's bothering him. Because not only can he not make shots, this was his second game in a row, shooting less than 50%, and he's very, you know, efficient usually. He was, I saw him on the bench, he was breathing hard. And, you know, Brian Seaman was talking about it in commentary. He's having some trouble breathing in that mask, which I can believe, of course. And he was not good tonight. I mean, at least as far as scoring, he still did okay defensively. got a huge steal late in the game. But, you know, the Suns came back, and it was mostly Devin Booker who was really leading that charge. Dario Saric was also fantastic in that third quarter, hitting shots from the outside and just, you know, rolling nicely, making the right plays, but D. Book was really good again tonight or I should say tonight you know above his season average 25 points 5 boards 8 assists and only two turnovers He have to 4 to 1 assist to turnover ratio really good 7 of 13 but the clips this is the sign of when I say the sign of good teams is are you able to withstand the run even though there was no crowd you know, the, the Suns really got back in the game and had the momentum going. Cam Johnson started hitting, but we did a good job with Cam Johnson tonight. 3 of 9, 2 of 8 from 3, eight, only 8 points. We kept Cam in check, too. He only played 16 minutes, but he only had 7 points. Didn't get too much dribble penetration. However, you know, when they came back, I was starting to get really nervous. Like, oh my God, am I going to have to see freaking Clippers blew a 31-point lead like on Twitter and like for the rest of the week? But we came out, and Serge Ibaka, who was in foul trouble, he had five fouls. He hit two huge threes in a row in the beginning of that fourth quarter, which kind of eased the tension a bit. And then Reggie Jackson hit a big floater. I think Ty kind of rode with Reggie a little too long for my liking, but hey, he was really good tonight, plus 16 as well. So you know what? Maybe I can't hate. We did get the job done, and Kawhi Leonard, even though he was getting hand-checked by Jay Crowder, I saw a little hand-checking. The refs were letting him play tonight, which I liked for the most part. Uh, they were pretty consistent, but Kawhi was, you know, when he was, when anytime he was trying to go left on that right-hand side, Jay Crowder was giving him a little hand check, making him go further away from the basket, and the refs were letting it slide. And Kawhi was not hitting. So, you know, I think he's got to do a little bit of that flailing he does when people hand check him. At the same time, he should have made those shots. He should have made those thirty-foot, uh, thirty-footers. You know, those thirteen-footers, fourteen-footers. And Kawhi had a tough one, four of twenty-one. But it was really once again a little scuffle too. I love that action. You know, D-book had some choice words for Paul. And I love it. I love that type of fire. And Paul George is getting heated. And, you know, Paul did not take many bad shots tonight. He wasn't even rated G tonight. He wasn't even PG-13 tonight. That was rated R tonight, ladies and gentlemen, because I declare that Paul George's best game as a Clipper to this point. He was just fantastic in every way, defensively guarding. We threw a multitude of guys at book, but he was one of the ones that took the challenge for large portions of the game. And I just thought Paul was so... Good tonight. And those big shots at the end of the game. And then the game-winning kind of play. High pick and roll, end of the game. Swing in the corner to Batum, not forcing the issue. Batum. Oh, my God. I love this guy. It's insane because I guess his price tag... I'm starting to believe that this is not just a good run-up form. This is actually how he's going to be because it's not even about his shooting, even though that's awesome and, you know, that won us the game tonight in ways. Five of nine from the field, four of seven from three. But it's really his, his defense, his communication, his seriousness to the game, his IQ, his ability to make different kinds of passes. You know, his versatility is so big. And it's just made such a difference so far to the point where I'm even starting to think that maybe we don't even maybe we shouldn't even start Morris when he comes back. Maybe we just bring him off the bench because we do need a little bit more toughness and defense off the bench, and maybe some scoring as well in different ways that isn't just perimeter scoring with Kennard and Lou. So, I mean, Paul George gets the game ball tonight, but I also thought that Batum was probably our second best player. I was so happy with him; he's just been awesome. And, you know, they were like little, little things like at the end of the quarter, second quarter, Paul George was about to hoist up a, uh, an open three on a tip rebound, and Batum was like, yo, one shot, one shot. And just little things like that, just talking, just being smart, taking, you know, valuing possessions on both ends of the floor. I just love players like that. Clippers win at 112-107, 5-2, so, you know, it's a great night for your boy. Also a great night because the Rams clinched the playoff berth. Shout out to any, any of my Rams fans out there. Three playoff berths in our five years in L.A. You got to love that, and I didn't even think we'd make the playoffs this year, so... I'm pretty happy with that. So let's go to the Lakers, who played against the Grizzlies tonight. A pretty easy schedule, I might say, for the Lakers. And they came out pretty good. Kuzma was hitting some threes. And then they kind of did this thing that I've noticed the Lakers have started to do, where they kind of played down to the level of comp- of their competition for a bit. And I noticed this, this 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 game reminded me a lot of the first Spurs game, where the Lakers kind of let let them get some open shots, and all of a sudden they started hitting some tough ones, especially Dylan Brooks, Uh Tyus Jones was hitting some good ones. Dylan Brooks was 3 of 15, but damn, in the beginning of the game in that run, it seemed like he was hitting. Uh, Kyle Anderson, my second favorite college player of all time, has really seemed like he's gotten better in this NBA, so I'm really happy for him, even though he was 1 of 8 from 3. But I thought he he was good at stretches of the game. But yeah, overall, the Lakers did rebound from that and managed to put on some defensive pressure and held the Grizzlies to only 18 points in the second quarter, 21 in the third, and 19 in the fourth. So the Lakers really clamped it down. you got to give some credit to, for one, Dennis Schroeder, who 4 of 13 from the field, 0 of 4. You look at the box score, you're like, oh, he didn't play that great. No, 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 no. This is where we go beyond the box score, watching watching the games. Dennis Schroeder, and so many people run with these casual takes. I heard so many people saying, some people saying in the beginning of the season, like before the season started, that, oh, Schroeder's not very good defensively, he's small, whatever. Like, what? Like, from what I've seen and what I know, because I'm watching these games, Schroeder picks up, like, he puts so much pressure on the ball handlers, plays pretty clean, good lateral quickness, and, you know, today he got an eight, he drew an eight-second violation today. An eight-second violation. Like, that's just pure, you know, heart, effort, picking up full court, making a difference. And another guy who... Another guy who I thought was really solid tonight and has just really been solid overall these last couple games, Marcus Gasol. I just really like the things that he does for the Lakers. You know, speaking from a, if I was a Laker fan perspective, of course. You know, tip rebounds. He knows how to make the right passes. He communicates on pick and rolls. He knows his coverages on different guys. He contests guys, you know, contests guards running into the lane. He just does the right things on a basketball court. And, you know, he has the ability to make tough passes as well. So I thought he was really solid, but at the end of the day, Oh, also Montrader, really good game tonight. Offensive glass as well. Four offensive rebounds, 16 points, nine rebounds. Great activity. Uh, Some great minutes from THT tonight as well, I thought. Seven points off the bench, you know, making things happen. Plus 11. But I think that uh, LeBron was really the player of the game again tonight. Especially the way he closed the game in the fourth quarter. He had like 10 or 13 points in that fourth quarter. And... He wasn't very good in the fourth quarter the other night, even though he had that, you know, little stiff arm layup at the end. But tonight, he really closed the game out, especially from the three-point line. Another 50, like, really high efficiency, highly efficient three-point shooting night for LeBron. Three of six, 22, 13, and eight in only 32 minutes. I think Bron Bron has just been really good to start the season. Even though his stats don't pop out of the page, he's doing exactly what his team needs to win. Let's talk about the other guy, though, before we transition to the Celtics. Anthony Davis, you know, I really started—I was really gassing him up this offseason, talking about his championship confidence and all that. But he doesn't have—it seems like he's got the championship hangover in ways. He seems comfortable. Now, I'm not saying that he didn't have a good game. He did. I mean, three steals, three blocks. He was still doing his AD thing. But 17 points? Like, he missed a couple of—like, his first four shots were outside of the paint. And, you know, he missed. And there were some of them were really solid looks. But again, it's like, how, how badly do you want to be an all-time great? Like, do you just want to be really good for this era? Or do you want to be amongst the greats with Mikhail, Barkley? And you know what? Here's the thing. I don't care that Barkley never won a ring. He's not like that. If, Le- if Barkley played with a player of LeBron's caliber in his prime, or somewhat at his, at his prime, he would have been able to win because Charles Barkley's not, you know, he wasn't, and he's timid. You know, these other power forwards we're talking about, the McHales, the Garnetts, the Dirks, you know, they may have had their moments, but he's too timid to me. Like, he, next game he's going to probably come back and drop 30, but it's just too, like, he needs a bad game to play well. And, like, to me, I love it. I really like Anthony Davis, but that, to me, is what prevents him from being in that upper echelon of all-time power forwards and, and best player in the league right now. Because right now, LeBron's confidence and the assertiveness that he has on a nightly basis is just kind of what separates him right now by a bit to me. But, you know, I'm all for the argument with AD because of his impact. However, the Lakers get a good win. That's three in a row, five and two on the season, and three, oh, three and O oh away. Another game against the Grizzlies coming up for the Lakers, so want to take advantage. No John Morant, no Jaron Jackson Jr. Let's go with the Celtics now, who played their second, you know, these back-to-back to reduce travel against the Detroit Pistons, and again, having a little too much trouble for my liking. Jalen Brown, really good again in that first half, getting into those mid-range area that he has really just mastered at this point is no other way to say it. You gotta love that if you're a Celtics fan. And once again, this whole, going back to my, is the NBA getting better? Go check those episodes out. The mid-range is a bad shot, ridiculous narrative. Look at what it's done for Jalen Brown. Again, you need variety in your game. However, the, the Pistons hung around. This team competes. This team competes. Um... You know, Jerry and Grant, 8 of 15, 22 points. I'm sorry to see what's happened to Blake Griffin, man. He's just become a three point shooter. He's got no explosion anymore. And, like, it's sad. It's really sad because Blake, especially the way the game ended, but I'll get to that in a second. Anyway, I thought Tatum started the second half really well, and the Celtics had a really good stretch in that third quarter, especially Daniel Tice and Tatum. Tatum in that pick and roll started hitting shots coming off screens. So then the the the, the Pistons started blitzing him, and you know along with some good verticality that Tice was showing, Tice, you know he. Um, was making some really he was looking like Draymond Green out there for a second making some really good reads and 4-on-3 situations when they were blitzing Tatum you know throwing some extra passes you know finding Jalen in the corner finding Tristan Thompson sometimes I thought Tice was really good today so that's a good sign for the Celtics that Tice is starting to return back to his old self 15 points for him and seven of eight from the field. Tristan Thompson also 12 and 11, five of 10. So they had a good game. The thing is with the Celtics, though, is they have this kind of a tendency at the moment. A lot of these games have been way too close. You know, the, the Pacers games have been close. I don't remember that second one. They're all kind of blending in. And that Memphis game wasn't close. But other than that, they've kind of, especially with these Detroit games, they've, they've done this thing of keeping these teams around. And it's because they kind of turn off. It's not even an individual thing, it's like as a switch. They turn this switch as a team where they like, stop running offense and they're very stagnant. And then they don't really play defense with that same kind of energy that we know they can play for the full 48 minutes. It's kind of like how we talked about the Clippers last year. And it's very hard in today's NBA with defense being so hard to play legally you know, to, to, to consistently do it for 48 minutes hard. But I know the Celtics are more capable than what they're doing to let Detroit be so close to winning this game. I mean, they nearly stole this game. And Jalen Brown did his thing. Late in the game. Just overall, another incredible game for Jalen, who I think you can argue has been maybe the best player for any team this season, arguably. 31 points. 13 of 16 from the field. That's ridiculous. 5 of 8 from 3. I thought that Peyton Pritchard had a fairly tough night offensively. Our guy Peyton. But at the end of the day, you know who also was huge in the fourth? Semi Ojale hitting some threes. 3 of 6 from 3 tonight for Semi. 22 minutes. 4 of 7 from the field. 11 points. But it came down to the real end of the game. And the Celtics, I mean, some really weird turnovers. Again, the Celtics getting too careless with the ball. 18 turnovers tonight. Just not enough, especially in the fourth of times. But Tatum, in the end, another game. This is his, what, third game, fourth game of the season, having a chance like in a game-tying or game-winning clutch situation. And this time he knocked it down. My boy BG slipped out there and then got blocked on the next play. I mean, Blake, oh, man, it's sad because I really love Blake Griffin. You know, he really changed years of basketball for me as a fan and changed my franchise. And I I got to thank Blake Griffin in person at the park, you know, right a week before he got traded, funny enough, and told him how thankful I was for everything he'd done for us. And I was like, I hope you stay a Clipper forever. And he's like, thanks, man. And, you know, he got traded a week later, but it was a good move for our franchise It's sad, you know, I watched Chris Paul and Blake Griffin play tonight and they weren't playing for the Clippers and I also watched the Clippers play tonight. But at the end of the day, their team's lost and my team won. So (laughs) we're going in the right direction. But it's a good win for the Celtics just because they won the game. I thought Tatum was the best player. His his decision-making in in pick and roll and his passing out of pick and roll has improved so much. 24 points, 12 assists tonight. And listen to this, Celtics fans, you're going to love this. 12 assists, zero turnovers. Like, that's incredible for Tatum. So who's very high turnover usually. So Celtics 122, Pistons 120, the Celtics move on to four and three. Before we go to the live chat, I'm going to end with, by the way, I really apologize. I'm sorry for not, you know, saying my agenda as the episode starts. Obviously, if you're listening to the Apple podcast or Spotify version, you've got the cue card that I make or the timestamps that I post. But for people listening from the beginning, without looking at that, I'm sorry that I keep forgetting to tell you what games I'm going to talk about. I apologize and we'll do better. But let's end this off because I didn't get to the Warriors game and the Nets game tonight, and I don't want to, I don't really feel like talking about the Nets-Hawks game last time. I'll give you a short summary. The short summary is that Kyrie Irving and Karis LeVert haven't played defense at the Celtics game. Kevin Durant, you know, they, they, as I said, Nash needs to stagger that lineup, I mean, Katie and Kyrie, because against the Hawks, they were too good of a team. I need to see what happened with the Wizards tonight, but the Hawks were too good of a team. They were splashing. So let's end with the Hawks next game. They were on a back-to-back, and they looked like they were off to the same stuff, you know, Trey Young, pick and roll. Everyone's hitting threes. And, you know, they led 35-25 against the Cavs after the first quarter. But then after the after that, listen to this for the Hawks. They only scored 56 points the rest of the game in three quarters. 21 in the second, 18 in the third, and 17 in the fourth. And... It kind of came to live by the jumper, die by the jumper kind of thing. And I think that this is one thing that the Hawks need to be careful because they're such a good three-point shooting team. They got so many good looks in that second quarter, and Bogey was missing a good amount. You know, different guys. Kevin Herter, who's really just like, he's a gunner, man. He's a gunner, and he's a really exciting player. But I think he also needs to not just fall in love with the three, even though, that being said, you know, he was three of five from three and had five-eleven from the field you know, 13-10 and 10 for Kevin, but I think he still got a little carried away at times. But what it really was, the third quarter, the Hawks were up 15, and then all of a sudden, they went cold and started turning the ball over a lot. I don't think they had... They had zero turnovers in the first quarter of, from, from what I can remember. And then all the rest, they turned the ball over 15... Uh, I'm sorry, 22 times, you know, after that. So 22 turnovers alongside, you know, along with missing all these easy looks, a lot of good open threes, and you know who was unbelievable? This is my second time watching the Cavs play this season. You know who was insanely good again? Javale McGee. I I know that sounds crazy guys, but he seemed like the like in the off season, he's developed some sort of a little bit of a bag now. Like he's gotten the ball in the post several times this season. I seen him hit a turnaround hook shot. This one he just like made a shack move. Like I nice spin little, you know, little leaving him a little bit of this after, you know, a little bit of elbow and a dunk. Like he was unbelievable and Here's the thing about the Hawks. This lineup, there was one lineup that completely, like, blew the lead for them. They were up by, like, double digits. It was Herter, Bogdanovich, Solomon Hill, Fernando, and I think DeAndre Hunter. No, it was Brandon Goodwin. So you already got a lineup with Brandon Goodwin, Kevin Herder, and Bogdanovich. It's a little small, and they struggle to guard. And Bogdanovich, a really good player, has not shown me he's very good at defense thus far. And then I'm still yet to realize what Fernando's good at. Like, is he a good shooter? Is He has, clearly has no create-his-own-shot kind of game. He's not really a presence anywhere. He, I haven't seen anything from him in terms of blocking shots, really. He had zero points, zero blocks, zero steals, zero assists, four rebounds, 0 of 3. I mean, minus 6 in his minutes. Solomon Hill was lost out there. Minus 15. He was noticeably bad for the first time this season. And the Cavs made him pay. I mean... Trey Young also, so like, it was late in the game, the Cavs had kind of crawled back, but you think, like, you know, that the Hawks are going to pull this one out. John Collins although also, 1 of 5 from 3, 3 of 10, and half his shots were 3s. This is when I think that Collins needs to try to, you know, that's what I was saying in the beginning of the season. Does he really have a consistent go-to scoring game? Because it can't be that in crunch time, Trey Young, you know, their offense all perimeter-based. Without Gallinari, they're going to struggle with that. You know, Bogdanovich, you know, he's a good player, but he was cold this game. He was called cool, Four of 12, 3 of 9 from 3. And late in the game, so guys, the Cavs inched back. And Trey Young, I don't know if it was fatigue because they were playing two games in a row, but like he stopped attacking in the pick and roll. He just kind of didn't want to turn the corner anymore. And he started trying to like kind of flail for fouls. You know how, So by the way, Trey Young, if you haven't noticed, guys. He's I think people are starting to notice because Steve Nash said it wasn't basketball in the middle of the game the other day. But he has this move. It's kind of like the Chris Paul move where he gets turns the corner or gets the step on his man. And instead of like using his buttons, you know, shielding him kind of like staying in front of him where he gets the high defender behind him, he just instead of what Chris does, he you know feels the contact and shields him and steps into the floater. Trey Young feels the bump and just flails and throws it. Any sort of contact he feels in that back, he just throws it. And I think that he's—it's kind of his his version of you know a harden esque kind of move where he's drawing fouls easily. So I just think people should keep an eye on that. I don't know if refs need to keep an eye on that or if that's illegal or what you think of it. Let me know what you think of it. But keep an eye on that. Trey Young getting bumped from behind off guys getting over screens. Anyway, he just stopped attacking. He even airballed at one point, and the, the Hawks were down by like. They tied the game. Kevin Herter tied the game. And then Collins Sexton hit a cold-blooded three contested over, I think it was Bogdanovich. It was big time. And Trey Young and, and like, DeAndre Hunter or John Collins, like, these guys missed little layups, like, at the end of the game. Like, very easy, like, close ones. And John Collins missed a freaking dunk. So that kind of tells you what kind of night it became for the Hawks. So, moral of the story for Atlanta, can't fall too in love with that three ball. But most, more often than not, those shots are going to fall and they won't lose that game. Anyway, we're around 24 minutes. I guess we'll end it at 23 Jordan-style tonight. Anything else I'm forgetting before we go to the live chat? I don't think I need to go over anything else. Yeah, because I, wouldn't, I don't want to get into the Warriors-Blazers game since they just played tonight. So we'll get to you about that tomorrow. I think tomorrow I'm going to go with just the live and uh, talking to YouTube. And no podcast version because I'm going to release the podcast version of the Has the NBA Gotten Better and Better Part 3 to not flood the channel. Anyway, that's all for me guys. Let me know what you thought of this episode. Let me know what you think of what I'm saying. Make sure to subscribe. Peace out.